listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. So today is a great day on a, n- a number of levels. Um, it's a unique day in the, in the cra- craziness that we're in culturally. It's the day of Pentecost that we're celebrating together. It's family service. It's a new venue. It's a lot of change to take place all in one time. And it's a lot to process. I just have one thing to say. God will come through. Praise God. Do you believe God will come through today? Do you believe God will come through for you? Today is a day to be reminded God will come through. We don't have to fabricate it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to toil for it. God will come through. He's got the whole world in his hands. Praise God. All right, so in this time, again, this is going to be an interactive service. So I want you guys to huddle up with your close friends and family if you feel comfortable. Um, And we're going to ask a question to each other, okay? We're going to take a couple minutes and ask those around you. Or name a time you felt you weren't good enough. Name a time just with the people close to you, just in your little huddles. I know we can't get too close to each other during this time, but... You know, with it, you, know, you guys have a whole huddle right there just in your family. All right. So name a time you felt you weren't good enough. I'll give you just a couple of minutes, and I want you to, just within your own families or close friends, name a time that you felt like you weren't good enough. All right, start wrapping it up. Start wrapping it up. Who feels open enough to share what you said? Who feels open enough? to share about a time that you did not feel good enough. Miss Diana, I saw your hand first. You want to come up here? (laughs) All right, I'll come to you with the microphone. Actually, from the moment the Lord called me into ministry, I've had to struggle every day, every time he gave me a job to do with whether or not I could do it or if I was good enough or if I did it right. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge struggle, especially when you're like, you know, come after all these great men and women of God. You're like, you start comparing yourself to other people, and you start to ask yourself, oh, my goodness, do I have what it takes? Um, we're going to be talking today about a story. Uh, Miss Christina, if you can come up here. Um, we're going to talk about what it's, what it's like to overcome some of those feelings, um, those comparisons. Um, so Miss Christina is going to share this story, and she's going to have some audience participation as well. All right. Hey, guys. I'm curious. Have any of you ever battled with comparison before? I know I have. I think you'd be lying if you said no, but (laughs) that's what Miss Brenda and I were talking about. We're like, well, yeah, sometimes I think everybody's at some point in their life have felt like you did not measure up. For me, it's often because I'm so short. And there's a lot of times I'm like, I wish I was as tall as my husband so I can reach those glasses on the top shelf, but... 
Comparison, right? <laughs> so um, comparing is the instance of, you know, comparison is the instance of comparing with one another. So like apples and oranges. So you automatically have this expectation. You automatically have this measurement. If you're comparing an apple to an orange, you're saying the orange is the, the better fruit. And anything that the apple lacks that's not the orange is a weakness. It's not very good. It's the flaw, right? And so <laughs> I happen to like apples and oranges. And I do not judge apples because they don't have a thick orange peel on them. I still eat them, right? <laughs> but you know what's really cool is that God's love is not measurable. It's not saying, you know, oh, because I don't have a style as cool as Zach's that he's going to love me less. It's not saying that I don't have rhythm like Peter does. I mean, I did do the whole little... That's like the, the extent of my rhythm. But, um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I, that I deserve less of God's love, right? Because his love is so wide. I mean, didn't y'all ever do like deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and flowy, deep and wide, yeah. Okay, so anyways, that's like God's love, right? In Ephesians, it talks about, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. It's immeasurable, right? So do we have to try to measure ourselves, comparing ourselves to one another? No. But we are going to learn a little bit about what that's like. We're going to tell a story. I need some help for my story. And some people know. So um, my good old son, Jesse, come on up here, my handsome boy. He gets to play Father Jesse. <laughs> All right, where is my buddy, Polu? Bolu is going to be the mighty prophet Samuel. And then, of course, Zach and Stephen and Tony. Okay, I need some more sons. Okay, come on, Isaac, Tolu. Let's see how many I have. One, two, three, four, five. There's seven sons. All right, I need two more volunteers. How about Alex? Alex can be a son. <laughs> Jeremy, come be a son. <laughs> so it happens that you look away. You think, oh, maybe they won't pick me. I'm looking away. <laughs> okay, so Samuel is over here. And uh, hold on. You're a son. You have to be the son. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Samuel is over here, and he is sad. He is super sad. Do you know why Samuel is so sad? Because God had just rejected Saul as king. And God says to Samuel, you don't need to be sad anymore. I have another king in mind. And can you go over to Bethlehem and go see my friend Jesse? Because one of his sons is going to be king. And Samuel's like, but if Saul finds out that I am going to go anoint the next king, he's going to kill me. And God's like, you know what? I'm God. I got this. I got you taken care of. Go ahead and go. Just say you're going to offer up a sacrifice and invite Jesse and his sons to do the sacrifice. And so he goes over to Jesse and he says, okay, let's go and take all of your sons and we're going to go do a sacrifice to the Lord. Okay. And so while they're on this mountain, you have to be on the mountain over here. Sorry, Samuel. Okay. 
And he says, okay, let's start bringing up your sons, and let's see which one is going to be king, okay? So first was, oh, sorry, Zach's first. He's Eliab. Now, Eliab was known for his good looks. He was like the handsomest of them all. Everybody wanted to look like Eliab, right? And so, so Sam was like, my goodness, this has to be the king. Look how kingly he looks. And God said, nope. Because <laughs> God said, I don't look at the appearance. I look at the heart. So next comes, oh, where's Mr. Tony? Okay, next is Tony, and he's a Nineveh. I cannot say these names right. Okay, so he's the next son, and he was known for his strength. He was strong. He was athletic. He was like the best, you know, of every sport there was. If, if Israel had the Olympics at the time, he would be the athlete for the Olympics. And so Samuel said, for sure, he must be the king. He would be like a mighty warrior, right? But... God said, nope. So then Jesse was like, oh, my next son must, must be the next one, right? So he brings up the next one, a man, Stephen. And he's like, oh, man, this one has to be a, He's so smart. He, like, aced all of his tests. He was, like, the smartest guy in the land. He had to be the one. And so Sam was like, yes, he's going to be king. He's very wise. God said, nope. So then he brings up his next son, and he has like four other sons. They come on up one by one. Oh, man, look at these great boys. They are so strong. They're so talented. They can do all these great things. Look at them. They all have to be king, right? So Samuel goes by each one, and God says, nope, 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 and nope. Yep, none of them. And he's like, oh, my goodness, those are all the sons. And he said, Jesse, are these all your sons? God said, just said no to all of them. And then Jesse says, wait, 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 wait. There's that, that one boy, my youngest. He's out in the fields gathering up limbs. Where's my young? Come on, David. His name is David. Um, I didn't think he would, should come because he's just, you know, a little boy out in the fields. And God says, this is the one. <gasps> what? He doesn't look like he's a king, right? But so Samuel gets his flask. He had like this thing of oil and he anoints him as the next king of Israel. And then Samuel went back to Ramah. And that's the end of our story. <laughs> Let's thank all of our sons and Samuel and Jesse and David. Good job, guys. David, love you, bro. All right. So that story was 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, uh, for those of you that need that reference. Uh, we're going to ask some questions now. So we're going to get back in our groups. We're going to dissect this story a little bit. So I'm going to give you just a couple minutes. I want you guys to ask yourselves the question. Why do you think Jesse did not include David as one of his sons? Ask just within your own, just people close to you, if you're comfortable, getting, huddling up. Why do you think Jesse did not include David as one of his sons? 
All right, start wrapping it up. Here's your next question. Now, there's, this is not me going to go all the, theological on you as to all the reasons why. I just want you to talk. Okay, We're just talking here and processing. So question number two. How do you think the brothers felt when they weren't chosen to be king? How do you think the brothers felt when they weren't chosen to be king? All right, start wrapping it up. For this one, I'm going to give you a preface. Um, so, you know, basically God looks at the heart, right? And, it's, and the Bible describes David as having a heart after God. So your question is, what does it look like to have a heart after God? What does that look like? What does it look like to have a heart after God? Discuss it within, that, within your group. All right, start wrapping it up. Now, usually I would go around and ask everybody for like volunteers to answer these questions. And I really want to know your answers, but for the sake of time, we're going to move forward, okay? So just think about those answers. And we're, we're going to be talking about um, some of these types of questions in our connect groups this week so you can further process um, this story and how it applies to your life. So today is Pentecost Sunday. All right, we remember the Holy Spirit meeting a group of 120 people who are waiting for him in an upper room. Acts 2 verse 4 says, everyone present there was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to get into the gift of tongues that was released that day. I'm not going to discuss the other gifts of the Spirit or give you a diatribe about the fruits of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Today, we're going to discuss holiness. Since, you know, uh, holiness is the first name of Holy Spirit, right? You know, we're like, my name is Spirit, Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see God. Many times we see holiness as this list of rules that we have to follow to be better than everyone else, to beat ourselves up until we are good enough for God. Holiness actually means set apart. It means going against the worldly grain, being wholly submitted to God, soul, mind, and strength. But we like the Jesus followers waiting in the upper room, cannot get to holiness without God's empowerment. No matter how hard we try, we will always come short. Always. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Our best efforts and our own strength is nothing more than one of those dish rags that you put on your kitchen sink wiping up that mess that you cooked. Why? Why is that? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. It's filled with lust, anger, control, manipulation, lies, racism, murder, etc. 
We cannot fix ourselves. We cannot hashtag do better. Or else we already would have. We need Holy Spirit fire to burn away our wicked desires and ignite us with pure ones. Let's take a look on how we often approach change. Number one, we've been discussing this a little bit already. We compare ourselves to others. See, David might have looked at his brothers and thought, if I was more like them, my father would accept me. The brothers, they might have looked at each other and said to themselves, man, we're so much better than this twerp. How come we weren't picked for kingship? We all have these types of thoughts, comparing ourselves to other people. And, you know, I might look at Bobby Hill, and I might say to myself, man, I'm just a bad person because I'm not as adventurous as he is. He goes to Nepal and all over the world, does these amazing things, and I just don't measure up to Bobby. Or we look at Tony. Where's Tony? Tony. And his big smile and his vibrant personality, and we're like, man, I'm just not as happy as him, so... There must be something wrong with me. Or we look at Miss Diana and her boldness, and we're like, man, I'm just not bold like her, so I'm just going to be quiet. Sometimes we compare ourselves to people because we think um, they're beneath us. Well, at least I don't steal. At least I don't kill people. At least I'm not a racist. 2 Corinthians 10.12 tells us, they who measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another are not wise. People are infected with sin, remember? So why would we use them as our measuring stick of righteousness? There's another way we approach change. Number two, we compare ourselves to a list of sins. Now, does anybody know who Wilbur Scoville is? Raise your hand if you know who Wilbur Scoville is. Uh, you may not know the name, but I assure you, you know his influence. He invented a measurement system of rating the heat of peppers, known as the Scoville um, rating system. Um, he created that back in 1912. All right? So let's... Let's, we're going to kind of take a turn a little bit, and then we're going to come back. So a bell pepper has a Scoville rating of zero. It means it's the least, there's no spice in that pepper whatsoever. All right? Then we get to a jalapeno, which is 8,000 on this Scoville heat scale. A habanero is 335,000. Ghost pepper is 1,000,000. And the hottest pepper in the world, the Carolina Reaper, 2.2 million. If you think a jalapeno is spicy at 8,000, try a Carolina Reaper at 2.2 million. The only thing hotter than that is pepper spray that Victoria uses to, you know, spray all her uh, perps with. You know, I, I, I heard a story of a couple of guys made pepper spray pasta one time. I'm not going to say who that was. <laughs> so last Saturday, um, Jesse and Stephen, they had a challenge against each other. 
And we, we, we test because they both have this really high spice tolerance. So we gave them spicy ramen that actually wasn't that spicy because we bought it on Amazon. Not at the Hong Kong market, which they got the good stuff. All right. Then we had ghost pepper cream corn. All right. And that was super spicy. Then we had Carolina Reaper barbecue chicken. And they had... And, Basically, we put a glass of whole milk in front of them. We say, whoever finishes their plate wins, or whoever takes a drink of their milk first loses. All right? Neither one of them, they were determined. And Stephen, man, he just shoveled that food into his mouth, and he didn't care one bit of how he felt. Jesse, he was shoveling as well. And Jesse was like literally two seconds behind Stephen finishing his plate of food. Both of them were just like crying and, you know, snot coming down their face and, I mean, miserable. Jesse, he goes to his room. He's just like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Steven, he's just like, you know what? I think I want to try what it, just a regular Carolina Reaper tastes like on its own. So I said, okay, I have a whole bunch of them. I bought them off Amazon. It's a surprise we can buy there. So I have like six peppers. And I was like, here, Steven, have at it. So Steven puts it in his mouth. All right, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. After a minute, he's, the, the tears start coming. He's just like, whoa! And like for five minutes, Landon, me, and Zach were just filming him and laughing. <laughs> and, but the thing is, he had this huge spice tolerance. I've heard of stories where people end up in like the emergency room. Like this is dangerous. People don't eat the Carolina Reaper. This is not the moral of the story. If you, you're like, oh, Chris said Carolina Reapers are delicious. No, I'm not, I'm not going to eat a whole Carolina Reaper. That's just crazy talk. There's only crazy people like Stephen that exist. Praise God for them, but that ain't me. You know, sometimes we approach sin in the same way. We have a rating system of sin, and we all have a different sin tolerance. We have our low-level sins, like fibbing or manipulation, or control, or bitterness. The heat gets turned up when we start to talk about stealing, and betrayal, and bullying, etc. And then we have those sins that we would never, ever do, right? Like murder. We look at something like rioting, looting, and killing, and think, I, I'm above all that, so I must be good. But then we have a blind spot in our own spiritual pride, which can be just as deadly. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says in the message translation, the spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. These liars have lied so well for so long that they've, they've lost their capacity for truth. Man, that's like gut-wrenching. Especially when you look at the mainstream manipulation, I mean mainstream media. New Living Translation says that, um, puts it in a different way, it says that their conscious, the consciences of these people are dead. Another translation will say their consciences are seared with a hot iron. In other words, we become sin conscious. Our tolerance for sin starts going up. We think we are hashtag doing better, 
but our consciences are dead. We've lost our capacity for truth. We are either filled with pride because we think that we're doing well or, or we feel like the scum of the earth because we just do so many bad things. In, in both scenarios, we are silencing the truth of God. We are silencing his voice. We're trying to change on our own and it simply doesn't work. Believe me, I've tried many times and failed many times. So we can't change our heart by comparing ourselves to others. And we can't change comparing ourselves to a list of sins. How do we change? We must stop being people-centric. And we must stop being sin-centric and start being God-centric. When we look at God, we get the clearest picture of who we are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And the great thing about him is that when he shows us ourselves, he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In this respect, he's both a mirror and living water. I just finished reading um, How to Worship a King. Thank you, Alex, for introducing that book to our family. From Zach Neese. And chapter 10 talks about the brazen laver and how it was like this wash pot. And they saw themselves, the priests saw themselves, their faces, and then because they saw themselves, they could clean themselves. And God acts that way. We see ourselves in the light of his word, but he doesn't just leave us there. He gives us his living water so that we can change. Like with David, God searches the heart, and he knows our intentions. He knows the darkest corners of my soul that I try to hide from everyone, even myself. He knows if I truly love him or if I just say I love him. Because it's really easy to say, I love God, I love you, Lord, and not actually obey his commandments like he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Um, there was a worship service. And I had this anger towards a friend that I had walked into this worship service with. And in the middle of the worship service, God kind of showed me the wretchedness of my anger and the wretchedness of my own soul, showed me myself. And then he said to me, he showed me the cross and he said, I did all of this for relationship. You have betrayed me time and 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 time again. Yeah, I still would have done that because I love you. And you have this anger towards a friend that you're willing to give up friendship based on some wrongdoings. I would have never given up my friendship with you, Chris, based on what you've done. I would have never given that up. So why are you so willing to do that? And I was wrecked. I was just like, you know, kind of like in Matthew 5 where Jesus is addressing anger. And he says, you know, if you come angry, don't give your gift of worship. Lay down that anger and then come back and give that gift of worship. I had to do that in that service. God doesn't stop with showing us our condition. He knew the human heart would be deceitful. 
So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of our sin. Then he raised to life to defeat death and separation to give us new life with the Father. And he didn't even stop there. That would have been good enough. He could have stopped with the cross. He could have stopped with the resurrection. But he said, no, 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 no. I want them to have more. So he gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could be transformed into his likeness. That is how we change people. That is the only way to change. Holy Spirit empowering us unto transformation. Stop trying to change the world. You are not responsible for what's going on. At the end of the day, you are only responsible for yourself. Want to change the world? Let the Holy Spirit change you first. So many times we're looking at these global enemies. We take a look at something like racism, a principality that's been brewing for centuries. And we're trying to attack it with our social media posts when in our own bedroom we haven't even attacked and defeated our own personal enemies. How do we accept to have victory over century-old principalities when we can't even have victory over our personal demons? Do you want to have a heart like God? Do you want to have a heart after God like David had? You must first want God. You want the greatest love. Do you want that? Do you want the greatest love you've ever known? Do you want to finally be free from the slavery of sin? Do you want a peace that surpasses all understanding? Do you want to know God and have communion with him? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And for any of those people who want that today, he is available. Please stand to your feet. He is available. He is available. All you have to do is want him. All you have to do is want him. If you're confused, he'll give you a clear mind. If you're hurting, he will comfort you. If you're in a place of desperation, you just don't know what to do, you're at the end of your rope trying to process all the craziness, he will meet you. He will meet you. So everybody in this place, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And repeat after me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. revival after revival after revival but this morning today revive us God revive us
Lord, burn away every foul thing that lives in me. Burn away every foul thing that lives within your people. Like Sharon prophesied last Sunday, rumble us and shake us to the core. Help us. We are desperate for your presence. Every month of this year has been one thing after another. Globally, we are grieving. The earth is groaning with birth pangs. We need your Holy Spirit fire now more than ever. Meet us in this body of people. Meet us in this body of people, oh God. Or that release that truly new wine, that it'd be more than a lyric, it'd be more than a concept, it would be our heart cry. It would be our lifestyle, new wine, Lord. You've blown through and taken out the old. Now blow again, we need new life. We need your new life, God. We need you. Lord, we thank you for your gifts. But Lord, more than anything, you are the gift. And we need you today. We need you today. We need you today. For those of you that want the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never experienced the things we're talking about, about true transformation, about the empowering grace that he provides. If you want it, today's your day. God will meet you according to your faith. He'll meet you according to your desire. So right where you're at, just begin to cry out. Just right where you're at, just begin to ask him, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. I want your Holy Spirit, God. And if you've already been empowered, but you need to be revived, you need to be made alive again, and you want a fresh dose, a fresh outpouring of his spirit, cry out for that too, God. Lord, we want more of you. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you, Holy Spirit. Empower us with your truth. Empower us with your love. In Jesus' name.